Hey, good morning, y'all. Welcome and happy new year. I uh, hope you guys are having an awesome 2023 so far. Um, we are uh, so glad to be joining with you like this. Um, we miss you and we hope you had a great Christmas. Um, but we're so glad that we're able to do this like this, but we're also excited for next Sunday to see you guys in person. Uh, we just want to get together with you online and, and sing with you, just sing with you for a couple songs, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to hear from Bill talk about some resolutions and stuff like that this year. Um, but again, I just wanted to welcome you in, welcome you in this morning and uh, say thanks for, thanks for joining us. Let's sing these songs together. Is 
Sing our God is the author of the first and the last. Our God is the author, the first and the last. His works they resound through generations past. From creation to the Savior to the world we now see. Our God is sovereign in the power He keeps. Our God is the healer. Our God is the healer who will never change. Defender of the weak and a shield for the saved. And He binds up the broken and He raises the dead. Well, if our God is for us, then who can be against? Let's sing hallelujah together. separated from his love we will never be separated from neither angel or demon or nothing but neither principalities or government of man will be able to remove the provision in his hand the word it goes forth. His word goes forth unhindered, untamed. He calls out the sons and the daughters by name. And on white stone, a new name will be read. To recall the gracious. To recall the grace shown and to never forget. Oh 
when Jesus returns on a white horse he'll ride his eyes are ablaze with the justice to rise oh faithful and true are what he is called to his word to his word like a sword all the nations will fall so praise him oh praise him so praise him oh praise him let all the saints rise and claim the redemption for which he was crucified chimes of freedom chimes of freedom the eternal will reign he'll reign supreme for he'll reign supreme our God and our King Praise Him, oh praise Him. So praise Him, oh praise Him, let all the saints rise. And claim the redemption for which He was crucified. Chimes of freedom, eternal will reign. For he'll reign supreme, our God and our King. For he'll reign supreme, our God and our King. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for you for this morning to be able to get together online, to sing to you, to hear from you through Bill. I pray that we have, have had a great Christmas and a great new year that we come into this next year refreshed and renewed by who you are. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in um, and watching our service today. Today is January 1st, and so that means that we are in resolution season. I don't know if you are a resolution person or if you've thought much about uh, a New Year's resolution, but you know, typically this is a time where we think about here are the changes that we're going to make so we have a happier, better life. And if I were to ask you what you think the number one resolution is, you can imagine uh, it is something in terms of being healthier, either you know, lose weight, get in shape, something like that, or maybe a combination of both of those things. Years ago, when I was in seminary, I was a member of the Tom Landry Fitness Center at Baylor Hospital. It's a really cool place. Um, in fact, it was where the Dallas Mavericks used to practice 
prior to the American Airlines Center being built. And so, I mean, it's all the doctors worked out there and things like that. The only reason that I was able to be a member there is because Dallas Seminary students could get a deeply discounted rate, but we were uh, only allowed in in limited hours. It just so happened that some of those hours were very early in the morning. I think we had to be out by uh, like 7 a.m. And so, depending on my class schedule, I would go uh, really early, uh, three or four times a week, and go work out, and then go to class. It was great, too, because um, I saved a little bit of money by using their soap and shampoo and their towels and their mouthwash and drink their coffee and their fresh-squeezed orange juice, which they served um, every morning. So it was really, really nice. But I will tell you this, I hated January, because in January... So all these people who made New Year's resolutions to get in shape would show up. And it was so frustrating. There was no place to park. All the machines were taken. You couldn't uh, get on the machines that you wanted to. I mean, it was so bad that there were times where I thought, I'm just going to go around and tell all of these people uh, to stay home because they're not going to be here in a month anyway. I mean, it's really kind of a diehard group that would show up by 5.30 in the morning. You would see the same people day after day, week after week, and all of a sudden in January, you had all these new people. I never did actually go up to anybody and say, hey, just you know, save us a little bit of time. But the truth was, by the time February rolled around, it was back to normal again. Now, if you're not a resolution person, maybe you're a goal setter. Maybe that's the way that you think about it. Or maybe like your company makes you set goals for each new year. We ask our staff about the goals that they want to achieve. And maybe your company even makes you do SMART goals. And I know a bunch of you just rolled your eyes as I said that. They are specific, measurable, achievable, uh, relative uh, to what you're doing, and then time-sensitive, those SMART goals. But I wonder how you do at keeping your goals. Now, likely, the first couple of weeks you do really well because they're at the front of your mind. You're like really working hard on them. If you have a, a good supervisor or a boss, maybe they keep you on track a little bit longer. But my guess is for most people, at some point after maybe a month or two, if I were to ask what your goals were for the year, you probably wouldn't even be able to say specifically what they were anymore. And what happens? It's the tyranny of the urgent, like the things that we have to do in our jobs, they take precedent, and then just the normalcy of life and work and all of that, and we just kind of lose sight of what our goals are. When it comes to resolutions, let me ask you this, how often have you made the same resolution year after year? Right? It happens a lot. Like, Why are we such utter failures when it comes to our resolutions? could be different reasons, but I just wonder if part of it is not that in the back of our minds, whatever, we, whatever our resolutions are, we think it only affects us. Like, think about it. If your resolution is to lose weight or get in shape, primarily, if I'm sure that you think about this, if you don't meet that goal, it hasn't really affected anybody else. It's really only about you. And so I wonder if our resolutions impacted the lives of other people, too. If we thought that they did, I wonder if we would be better at keeping those resolutions. If the number one resolution for people is to get healthy physically, especially for Christians, another New Year's resolution that's very common 
is to grow spiritually. You know, it's, you know, maybe you're deciding, like, I'm, I'm going to read the Bible every day this year, read it regularly, or, or read through the New Testament or the Old Testament or whatever it is, but there's some spiritual goal that you have. Now, typically what happens? You know, life gets busy. You may do really well for a few weeks, but then just the normalcy of life kicks in, the normal issues of life, the stresses of life, and all of a sudden you've lost sight of that goal. And you think in the back of your mind, well, it didn't really hurt anybody else. It just affects me. But what I want to do this morning is show you a passage of Scripture that changes that thinking. Because our spiritual growth, it's not an independent proposition, but it is an interdependent proposition. The idea being that we depend on each other for growth. So if you've got a Bible that is handy with you, you can pull it out. Where the passage that I'm going to read this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. So Ephesians, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. And in the section that we're looking at this morning, Paul is writing about spiritual gifts, and he's talking about serving, and he's talking about growth. And so I think what we read is really going to change our mindset in the area of thinking about the way that we grow spiritually and how that happens. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, it says this, And he himself, he being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of, this, of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body fitted and knit together in every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for, for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So let me summarize what I think this section of Scripture is teaching us. It is helping us to see that growth is interdependent, that we depend on each other for growth. Now, I bet that's typically not the way that we think about spiritual growth. We think very individualistically about our growth. And there are probably some people, though I think it's a really small percentage of people, that view spiritual growth as an independent proposition, meaning I don't need help from anybody else in order to grow. I can grow on my own. So I think that there are some people that view spiritual growth that way. It's an independent proposition. I don't need help from anybody else for me to grow spiritually. The truth is, though, there's no way that that's really true. I mean, think about it. Think about reading the Bible for the very first time, and no one has helped you to understand how to read it or how to study it or what to look for in terms of application and things like that. Like, if nobody helped you at all, you would be completely lost. And so while I think that there are probably some people who would view spiritual growth as an independent proposition, the reality is they're just fooling themselves. I think, though, that the vast majority of us would view our spiritual growth as a dependent proposition, meaning I depend on you for growth. The way that we think about it is typically my growth is dependent upon you. 
And that you oftentimes is focused on one person, the pastor, or in a larger church like ours where there's multiple staff, it could be focused on the staff. Like my growth as an individual is dependent on you, the pastor, or the church staff. Like you are to help me grow. That's typically the way that we think. Over the years, I've had people come to me who have attended our church and said something like this, like, I just don't feel like I'm being fed anymore. I've also had people come to our church and visit after being a part of another church in the area, and I'll ask, hey, you know, why are you looking for a new church? And they will say to me, well, I just wasn't, I, I don't feel like I was being fed anymore at my previous church. And if you've ever thought that or said that, I, I, I want you to know I'm not saying that you did something wrong or um, it was bad that you thought that way, because I understand some of what's behind that, but in part, what's behind that is the thinking that my growth is dependent on you. You are supposed to help me grow. Now, with that mindset, then, comes the idea, too, that the church provides ministries and opportunities that help me to grow. They provide resources for my growth. And if we're not, really, if we're not careful, we can easily fall into the trap of thinking of ourselves as consumers of the goods and resources that the church provides. Now, let me say this. Do we offer things to help you grow? Absolutely. We wouldn't do the things that we do if we didn't feel like they were going to help you grow spiritually. That's why we do what we do. We want to see people's faith come alive. And so the resources and ministries that we have are designed for that purpose. But it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking very consumeristically. That Think about it this way. Me, as a church member, somebody who shows up on Sunday mornings, what I'm doing is consuming the resources that you offer for my growth. And then you can opt in or out of things that you want to do based on your preferences for your growth at the time as a consumer. So it's based on what you want. But that's not the way that the church is meant to function. In fact, Ephesians 4 gives us a very different view of that, and we're going to get into that in just a second, because that's not the way that we're supposed to view church as this place that offers consumable resources that help me grow. But before we get into specifically what Paul's talking about in the passage, there's one other thing I want to point out about the way that we typically think when growth is dependent. When my growth is dependent on you, then growth is one way. It's down. So the way that we typically think, we think that there is someone who is above me or ahead of me in terms of spiritual growth, and their job, their responsibility is to help me grow. So it's one way. It's down. There's somebody ahead of me that helps me to grow. So that small group leader, that Bible study teacher, whoever it is, they're designed to help me grow. That's why I'm there. That's why they're there. They're to help me grow. And then the assumption is, well, there must be somebody who's above them or a little bit further along than them that helps them grow. And then you keep going up the, the ladder and ultimately you get to the pastor, me, and you think, well, man, he's got to have everything figured out. I guess God just ministers to him and helps him grow or something like that. We may never like actually think about it that way, but when it comes down to it, that's the way that we think. But that's not the way it is. That's not the way that the church was designed to function. Because growth is not a dependent proposition. It is an interdependent proposition. 
we depend on each other for growth. Now, let's get into the text and see what, the, what Paul says. Verse 11 says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So those apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, those are spiritual gifts. So a spiritual gift is a gift given to believers, followers of Jesus, at the moment of salvation. There is a larger list of gifts in Romans chapter 12, so you could go to Romans 12 and read the the listing of gifts there. It's a little bit longer than the ones here. Now, the ones here, apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, generally speaking, would be found in leaders within the church. And so the way that I want you to think about this for just a second is to think not in terms of gifts, but think in terms of function, how these gifts function. So I want to paraphrase what Paul says in this way. So God, Jesus, has given some to be pastors, small group leaders, teachers to do what? Did you notice this? He's given some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, some to be pastors, elders, small group leaders, Bible study leaders to do what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So it's not the pastors, the elders, the teachers that are doing the ministry, but they are equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that word saints, I don't want you to get confused because it's not necessarily anyone special. So it's not an elevated level of spiritual maturity. It's just any follower of Jesus could be considered a saint. So what Paul is saying is that God has gifted some as leaders, and their job is to equip the saints, equip the people who show up on Sundays in our services to do the work of the ministry. And so right from the, the, from the beginning, we can see that there's a different focus. Like We're in this thing together, but we've got to continue. By the time we get down to verse 13, he, Paul says, we do this, we're doing ministry, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And then verse 14, we'll no longer be little children tossed by waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, cunning with cleverness, but speaking the truth in love. Let us grow up in every way in Him who is the head and become just like Jesus. So what Paul is saying is that we need each other, we're dependent upon each other for our growth. So we grow as we do the work of the ministry. So as people are using their giftedness, then we grow. It's not my growth is dependent on you, but our growth is dependent upon each other. As we are serving, as we are using our gifts, then we grow to become mature. It's not the teachers teach so that you as an individual are a smarter or better Christian, but we do the ministry so that we grow. And I just, I'm really, I'm kind of overemphasizing that because I don't want you to get it. It's so different than the way that we normally think because we think my growth is dependent upon you. We need to think, recalibrate our thinking around the idea that our growth is dependent upon each other. Like we need each other to grow. And I want you to know, you have something to give. 
Like regardless of how long you've been a Christian, God has created you to be exactly who he wants you to be. And he's made you to be who he desires you to be on purpose. And he's, so he's given you gifts and abilities that you're to use and you can use to influence people for Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you even have a spiritual gift that God has given to you that you are to use to build up the church. So it's not my growth is dependent upon you, but our growth is dependent upon each other. Now, the way that we typically think is then the church provides ministries and resources so that I grow for my growth. We've got to change that, too, because we provide ministries for our growth. So I want you to think about this. So a teacher, somebody who has the gift of teaching, yes, their responsibility as a teacher is to help you to learn, and then you grow through that. But somebody else could have the gift of exhortation. It's almost like coaching. It's uh, like uh, to challenge someone to grow. So someone who has the gift of exhortation, as they use their gift, they're causing someone to grow. Someone else has the gift of encouragement and is ministering to people who are hurting. So they're helping people to grow. So there's a teacher, there's an exhorter, and there's an encourager, and they're not the same person. So as we use our gifts and we provide resources for each other, then we grow. Also in this way of thinking that it growth, spiritual growth is an interdependent proposition, we depend on each other, then growth is two ways. It's both up and down. So typically the way that we think is that growth is only down. There's somebody ahead of me or above me that helps me to grow. But when we depend on each other, growth happens both up and down. Like, yes, there could be somebody who is more mature than you are that's helping you to grow, but somebody who is maybe hasn't been a Christian as long as you are, or maybe even less knowledgeable in the faith can also help you to grow. That's one of the things that I love about teaching are formed classes. So if you haven't been through Formed, I would highly encourage you to do that. We're going to be holding one again in February. Formed is the, the class that we have that leads to partnership in the church. And if you just want to find out who we are, it's really for you as well. Uh, but I love being a part of Formed because in Formed, oftentimes we have people that are brand new to church, sometimes brand new to faith. And the, the, the conversations that we have, the questions that they ask, they challenge me and encourage me to grow. Sometimes just being around people who are really excited about learning things for the very first time, I mean, that's really encouraging to me, and it helps me to grow. If, you have a, if you're a parent, you have a child in our kids' ministry, sometime I would love for you to ask your child's kids' ministry leader, do you grow as a result of working with kids? Because I guarantee you they would say yes. Now, are they there primarily so that the faith of our children grow? Yes, that's primary, but also at the same time, they are growing as a result of working with your kids. Growth happens two ways. It's both up and down. So we can grow from someone who's ahead of us, but we can also grow from someone who's brand new to the faith, and there's humility in that. So growth, our spiritual growth, is not a dependent proposition. It's not I depend on you. It's an interdependent proposition. We depend on each other. So what I want to do as I finish up, is kind of pull some things together for us, give you some implications for what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 4, and then even kind of reach back into our New Year's resolution stuff a little bit. I'm going to wrap things up. So 
what do we do with all of this? First, understand this. Each of us needs to have a plan for growth because we are depending on you. Each of us needs to have a plan for growth because we are depending on you. It's not just about you anymore because your growth, my growth is dependent upon you. Now, we are also depending on me for my growth, too. So all of us need to have a plan for spiritual growth. So this could be a resolution that you have this year. So what's your plan? What are you going to do so that you grow spiritually over this next year? Typically, as we think about spiritual growth, it's focused on spending time with God. So what's your plan? What's your plan for reading Scripture? If you don't have a plan, I would invite you to join the one that we've picked out to do as a church this year. We're going to be reading through the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, it's on the Version app. And so if you're not there right now, you can go to the live event for this event. If you haven't seen this yet, there is a link in that live event to join the plan. It starts today uh, to read through the New Testament and then Psalms and Proverbs this year. So do you have a what? Do you know what you're going to do? Do you know when you're going to do it? It's important to have a what, but you also have to have a when because if your idea is, well, I'll do it whenever, whenever often leads to never. The reason being because life gets in the way. We get busy, and then all of a sudden, this goal that we've had, we're going to read through the New Testament this year, we've lost it in three weeks just because of the normalcy of life. So you have to have a what, but you also have, a when, have to have a when. When are you going to do it? You're going to do it in the morning. You know, there are some people that say we have to spend time with God in the morning. That's what Jesus did. So if you want to be like Jesus, you got to do it in the morning. I don't know. Maybe Jesus was a morning person and you're not a morning person. As I read through the Gospels, it seems like Jesus was a morning person and a night person because he often got alone with God at night as well. So don't worry about that. You fit it into your schedule. Are you going to do it in the morning? Decide on a time. If you're going to do it at night, decide on a time. Designate a time so that you spend that time with God staying connected with him so that you're growing spiritually because my growth, our growth is dependent on you and our growth is also dependent upon me. So we need to have a plan for spiritual growth. That's the first thing. Second, each of us must engage in some form of community because we need each other. We are dependent upon each other. So we have to engage in some form of community. Here in a couple of weeks on Sundays, we're going to be highlighting the different groups that we have, the different ministries that we offer. And I do not want you to think when we begin talking about those, I should do that and then not do something about it. When we provide the opportunity for you, I want you to sign up right away because we need each other. We need those people around us, encouraging us, helping us to make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do. So we need each other. Third thing, each of us must serve because your gifts are for our growth. Everybody has to serve because your gifts are for our growth. It is not as you use your gifts, you grow. It's not as you use your gifts, other people grow. But as you use your gifts, we grow. So our growth is dependent upon you and your serving. So if you are not currently serving in our church, here's what I want you to do. In just a couple of minutes, this service is going to conclude, and then you can go to our website, thetablecc.com. On the top of the page, as soon as you log in, you will see different headings at the top, and one of those headings says Build. 
If you click on build, you will see a drop-down menu that says serve in the church. So I want you to click on that, serve in the church. Then in the center of the next page, you will see a button that says start serving now. It will take you to a form where you can tell us where you would like to serve. If you'd like to serve in guest services on Sunday morning, which includes parking, greeting, all those kinds of things. If you want to serve in kids' ministry, uh, which in- includes greeting in our kids' ministry, in our kids' building, as well as leading in a class or just helping in a class, or if you want to serve in student ministry, or if there's not something on the list that you are interested in but you have an idea for something else, please let us know because we want you to be using your gifts because our growth is depending on all of us using our gifts and abilities. All of us need to serve because your gifts are for our growth. So if spiritual growth is a goal that you have or it's a resolution that you're going to make, however you think about that, understand this. It's not just about you because spiritual growth is not an independent proposition. It's an interdependent proposition. We depend on each other. So as you grow, we grow. As I grow, we grow. As we grow, we grow. And that's what Ephesians 4 is all about. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thanks for the time that we've spent this morning. And I am so thankful for the instructions that Paul gave to the church at Ephesus, helping us to understand the way that we grow is as we depend on each other. As we all use our gifts and abilities that you've given to us, that allows us to grow, that we are not independent from one another, but we are interdependent. We depend on each other for growth. And I pray, God, that throughout this year, that we would grow together as we are using our gifts and abilities so that we are strengthened, so that we understand what we believe a little bit more, but so that we grow to maturity and become just like Jesus. I pray, God, that throughout this year, our faith would come alive as we are together in this process of, of, of growing in you. We need you to be at work in our hearts and then through us as well. And we're so thankful for what you are going to do in our lives and in our church in 2023. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.